Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome in to episode two of Faith, Family, and Football with Clark Phillips, hosted by yours truly, Trevor Allen, Utah Utes Insider for KSLSports.com and University of Utah cornerback Clark Phillips III, CP3, episode two. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go, Trev. We got a lot to talk about as fall camp wrapped up on the hill over the last couple of days, and now you guys are getting ready for... Weber State, you're finally in game week mode, I guess, part one. You guys are going to do two different walkthroughs leading up to Weber State? Yeah, man, I'm excited. So we have a game week simulation type of thing this week, and then next week it'll be full game week mode. It'll be the actual thing, and, you know, we play on a Thursday, so I'm excited, man. It's going to come faster than we know. September 2nd, Rice Cycle Stadium should be jam-packed um, in that newly renovated Ken Garf red zone and adding 4,500 seats to Rice Eccles Stadium, which you haven't seen a packed Rice Eccles Stadium yet, and it's going to be even more packed, and all of the noise is going to be funneled in because right. there isn't any way for it to get out now. I love it, man, and that just adds more to the experience, right? I can't wait, man. I think the fans are, you know, it's been a long time coming, and then for players that are like myself and the freshmen and young guys, we're excited to see what a packed Rice Eccles Stadium look like. Something that, that we're doing on this show, you know, you and I are entering into this partnership of, you know, doing a weekly podcast year round. And whenever anyone starts up a podcast, you got to pick out, you know, a music bed. That's right. You know, for going to breaks, you got to pick one out for the open and all that stuff. So you obviously heard, heard that music coming in. And I actually told you when you and I chose to partner up that we would be picking out music together. And I have zero music taste. I want to point that out right now. Yeah. I am terrible <laughs> with music. I'm. I, it's just not who I am, and which is totally fine. I talk about sports and all that good stuff, but I actually went ahead and decided to pick the music for us. Do you like to be surprised? Man, I hate it, but um, your last surprise last, I mean, was really, really good. So When, uh, when Mom and Pops? When Mom and Pops got on, man, that, that was a big surprise, and it was special to me being that, you know, we titled this thing Faith, Family, and Football, man. I, I think um, that couldn't have been a better surprise. So normally – here at KSL Sports and on our on our uh, podcast network, we're only allowed to have certain type of music because of obviously trademarks and all that stuff. Right. We can't have like you know artists and we can't just pick anything. Yeah, but I chose to go a certain route because of a conversation you and I had in episode one when yeah. you were talking about your family. You're talking about your brother Bryce. Yeah, Bryce. How BT. how he's always making beats and that's kind of his hobby. Yeah. Well, that music right there coming in was from Bryce. Wow, there is no way. There is no way. Man, I tell you, man, my little brother's got some skills. My little brother's got some skills, some serious skills, not just on the field, but also in beat making. Thanks, B. Shout out to you, Bryce. Love you, man. So I got him to make us three music beds, one for the open, which is of what you just heard. And then for those of you tuning in, you're going to be hearing that as we end up going to break and uh, coming back from break as well. So uh, you'll be hearing taste of, of Bryce Phillips weekly on Faith, Family, and Football with Clark Phillips. Man, I tell you, I got the best co-host. Two surprises in two weeks, right? I don't know if I can do this weekly, though. I will, <laughs> I, I will actually say that. I'm, I, I feel like I'm kind of setting that that standard, which I don't want to lead you on to that because yeah. 
I could only do so much. <laughs> who's next? My little sister, man. You, man, who's next? <laughs> I mean, what are some of her hidden talents? I could probably I, try I can't to tell you. Them. I'm not ready for no more surprises. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Obviously, a jam-packed show as we're going to talk about the end of fall camp leading into Weber State. You know, the goings-on within the – and by the way, I just want to get this out of the way. Can you tell us who the starting quarterback is? Man, I don't know who that is yet. You don't know who that is yet? I don't know yet? who that is yet. Well, <laughs> if those of you tuning in are hoping to hear who the starting quarterback is, you're not going to get that here because Clark is – and also one of the things about this show, it's not going to be just trying to trying to break news on stuff. That's not what this is going to be about. Clark is not going to reveal any team secrets on this show. So if you guys are looking for that, I'm sorry. It might end up driving you away, but it's worth it to where Clark can still keep that whole – be, being trusted by his teammates, by his coaches. Right. That is the most important thing to me. But he can talk about plays on the field, things that you guys see uh, on game day, things that you guys see on Twitter, and things like that. He could talk about personalities from the, the uh, Utah Utes and many other things, but you're not going to get team secrets here. That's right? right. Yep, I appreciate that, Trev. Okay, so first off, let's just dive into it a little bit. Um, fall camp. It was a, what, three-week grind? Yep, yep, just about. I mean, two and a half weeks, something like that. It was a, it was a long, fun, exciting uh, process, man. And we all learned a lot. And shoot, now that now we were state is around the corner. Did you guys get any better? Uh, we got a lot better. I say defensively on the defense side of the ball, who I can really speak for the best. I feel like we uh we got we we made tremendous strides. Uh, in the secondary, we made huge strides as well. Um, I feel like we will be game ready come September second. One of the things that has been brought up multiple times while we were at Pac-12 Media Days in Hollywood was all the talent that is coming back this yeah, year yeah. in the Pac-12. And you're going to be seeing a lot of it, yeah. especially the wide receivers. That's right. There's some talented wideouts in this conference. Are you ready for them? Man, I I'm, I know my coaches are going to continue or continue to com- to prepare me in my uh, secondary, but I know I know for dang sure I'm ready to go against these guys because um we know the work that we put in behind the scenes. You guys open up against Weber State, coached by Jay Hill, yeah. who is a former Ute and a former Utah coach. He did special teams coordinator and all that stuff. He yeah. really turned that program around up in Ogden. Yeah, it, they were down in the cellar. They were one of the worst teams in their in their division, in their conference. And Jay Hill came in and brought them from basically six feet under. Yeah. When did you guys start watching film on Weber? Sometime around last week, halfway through uh, fall camp, um, we started to kind of, you know, base some of our drills, some of our, you know, film study sessions. You know, as a position group, we started to watch, you know, little, little glimpses and little things about Weber State as a whole. In the secondary, in the corner room, we started to kind of watch, you know, receiver tendencies. We started to kind of, you know, figure out who those top guys were that, you know, we needed to focus on. Um, we also started to kind of just look forward to, you know, who we'll be playing against. We start, we put the depth chart or the roster up, you know, so we can memorize faces, names, numbers, all that different type of stuff. So nothing is a surprise. And then um, I feel like we got a good jump on it, a good little head start, and now we'll be full full go with your state. Did Coach Witt, Coach Scally, or Coach Shaw talk about Jay Hill as a person and as a coach to you guys? Briefly, um, I feel like they've all kind of mentioned him and mentioned the fact that, of course, he was from Utah and that he kind of uh, bases his program uh, similar to our, you know, style of play, and they run a lot of similar concepts offensively um, and defensively, I believe. And so that'll be cool to go against because we kind of see that all the time in practice with, you know, Coach Ludwig, and I feel like um, that's only going to make us a lot, a lot better of a team or defense as well when we see them. There's also a, a couple of Utes that are, you know, on, on that staff as far as yeah. assistant coaches. There's uh, Joe Dell, yeah, who was a, uh, a safety for that. 2008 Sugar Bowl team. Yeah, um, he is. He actually just got promoted to co-defensive coordinator. Wow. At, at Weber uh, has has really shot up the uh, the uh, coaching ranks at Weber and really Jay Hill. The one of the things that that he's been able to do, very similar to what Kyle Whittingham has been able to do at Utah, and that's to keep the coaching staff fairly consistent, where you're not seeing a ton of turnover. I like that. Yeah, and that, nah, you, I'm glad you mentioned that because I feel like that's a staple in in Utah's program keeping the guys um, around for a long, long time. And that was, you know, one of the reasons why it was comfortable for me to come here. I knew that I wouldn't see someone new every year, you know, and something like that. And so that's what um, I feel like Jay Hill's doing over there, and I feel like that's what make them 
even more similar to us. And I feel like that's what is going to make this game so good. Like I, I get excited thinking about it because both teams are saying, Hey, you know, I know a lot about that program. We're, we're saying, Hey, you know, they got staff coach guys on the staff that are from here. They're saying the same thing. We know so much about Utah. We're, we're going to, you know, do this and this, and we know what they do on this play and this down. And so it's going to be a good game, man. I'm only going through the first two weeks of the season because I know that there's a lot of chatter yeah. among you know the BYU rivalry. Mm-hmm. One of the things that has been noticed by a lot of fans and the media and the players, Kyle Whittingham never says the letters BYU together, yep. ever. And as long as I've been covering the Utes, which has probably been, I'm going into my 11th year now, he's never said BYU together. He's always called them the rival, the in-state game, things like that. So, really funny thing. I don't know if you actually watched it. Yeah. it. It was on YouTube, and we uh, posted it on on KSLSports.com. But um, R.J. Young, he is a uh, Fox Sports college football analyst. Yeah. And during Pac-12 Media Day, he interviewed Kyle Whittingham. And he also interviewed Britton Covey and, uh, and Devin Lloyd, who were all in Hollywood. Yeah. And ended up posting the video on his YouTube page. And one of the things he asked both Devin, Britton, and Witt was to say three nice things about your rival. Obviously, Britton could say a lot of good things about BYU because he grew up down there. Many expected him to go to BYU. Yeah. And he then, you know, and chose to go to Utah. And it's, it's been a great thing for both sides ever since then. And Devin Lloyd kind of went a little more neutral, just, you know, yeah. that, you know, they work hard, they're friendly people, you know, things like that. Yeah. When Whittingham was asked that, there was a pause. And Whittingham's like, which rival are you talking about? We've got USC. We have Arizona State. <laughs> and I love that. And R.J. Young didn't even give him a chance to mention BYU or, you know, the in-state game because that, that actually could have been a prime opportunity for Witt to say BYU together. Yeah. And he and so then R.J. Young's like, you know doggone well I'm talking about BYU. And he's like, oh, the in-state game rather yeah. than, oh, the Cougars or, oh, yeah. you know, BYU. And then Witt went on, you know, a little tangent of, yeah, we've we've actually developed a lot of, you know, conference rivals with USC, with Washington, with Arizona State. And he's like, but uh, yeah, so that was why I was asking that. So then he pauses because now it's time for him to answer the question. What do you think Witt said to that? The, the answer to say three nice things about BYU. What do you think that Witt said? Um, I'll take a guess. Let's see if I know my coach. He probably said some uh, to the measure of, I don't even know. I can't, I can't, I couldn't guess that because. It's definitely an answer that I have not heard Witt say very much. That game, that game is around the corner and and our focus is on smashing them. I'll tell you. So I can't think of too many nice things myself. So he said, next question. Ooh, I love that. (laughs) Coach Witt, I love that. I love that. I would have said the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, you know, he, he, and he ended up elaborating saying, I don't really know where to go with that. And, you know, the thing is the rivalry has gotten better. Yeah. I'm going to point this out just point blank. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat this because I can, you can't, yeah. but I can. Yeah. The rivalry was different when Bronco Mendenhall was the head coach of BYU. Mm-hmm. It was very, it was very, uh, I don't want to say vulgar. It, it, it was definitely a rivalry to the core. Yeah. And it wasn't in a great place. Um, there were there was really close games and all that stuff, which was great. But as far as like the way that the fan bases at, reacted to the to this rivalry was not good for the game of football. Yeah, and that is a key part to rivalries. You you know this yeah. from even all the way back to high school. That's real and all that stuff. Whenever you guys play your rivals, it's not just about how how you guys play on the field. It's about it's about the fan reaction. It's about yeah. how they end up treating each other because there are going to be Ute fans who are going to go down to Provo mm-hmm. for this game. Yeah, they're going to have a whole section just like if it was up uh, up here in Salt Lake City. That's so true. There'd be BYU fans as well. And but when Kalani Satake got hired as the head coach, he was Kyle's defensive coordinator for eight years or something wow. like that. Here, you probably didn't know that. I didn't because Witt doesn't talk much about BYU. Mm-hmm. So Kalani was was the defensive coordinator from when Kyle took over as as the head coach. Um, or actually, no, it, it was after Gary Anderson left. Yeah. And uh, when, when he went to Wisconsin, or no, when he went to Utah State and then he went to Wisconsin, there's been a lot of coaching changes yeah. in this state within, just not at Utah. Um, and so when Kalani became the head coach at BYU back in 2016, that put it in a good place because Kalani and Kyle are really good friends. Yeah, they are. And so 
I feel like that that put the rivalry in a really good spot. But when it comes game week oh, yeah. against BYU, you haven't experienced it yet because the game against BYU was canceled last year due yeah. to COVID-19. Yeah. And I know you would have had fun going up against Zach Wilson. Yeah. Who's now playing in, in the league. I would have loved that um, so much. By the way, how do you think that that would have fared? I mean, I know that you're not going to say, well, he would have beat me for like three touchdowns or whatever, but <laughs> like just seeing the way that, you know, Zach played, BYU had a really good season, but yeah. a lot of people say that they had a cupcake schedule, which, again, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They did. Central. You guys, you guys, you guys would have, you guys probably. Or Coastal Carolina. I, I've actually told a lot of people, if you guys would have had that same schedule with your same personnel, you might not have the the exact same record as BYU, but you'd be up there. You'd probably you'd maybe have two losses because yeah. you guys took a couple of games to get to get used yeah. to things and started getting rolling, and that's why you guys finished three and two because yeah. you guys started out with two losses, close losses, mm-hmm. but you guys were. I mean the whole the whole defense was new, nine new. nine new starters, brand new. So I I feel like that you guys would have fared well. Mm-hmm. I mean you guys probably would have had a challenge against Houston, Coastal Carolina was. BYU's only loss, I feel like that would have been a tough game for you guys. Yeah. But other than that, I feel like that would have been a walk in the park for you guys. Yeah, man. I I definitely could say that I feel the same. And just having confidence in my team is where I'm at. And I know where we're at. And I feel like we got, even though people say, oh, yeah, we only got five games and all this stuff, we got a season. You know, we got, you know, some games enough to feel like we've established that, hey, we got our feet in the water. Now it's time to take off. And so. You know, we don't talk about that team down there until it's game week, and we're, we feel confident in the fact that we're going we're gonna to do some good things, and we plan on knocking them down and knocking them down the next year, the next year, and the next year. We're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, Clark was asked by Utah to speak to the media after the, the uh, scrimmage. Yeah. So I, I want to talk to Clark in, in his whole mindset of how he deals with the media because obviously doing the, this podcast is different than when you're going to have to – you know, talk to the actual media where we're in a scrum and you're surrounded yeah. by yeah. 10 to 15 media media people. And so I'm going to ask him about his mindset and all of that coming up next here on Faith Family Football with Clark Phillips. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor... You'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back into Faith, Family, and Football. As you guys listen to the beats of Bryce Phillips, that's right, Clark's brother, who uh, I found out last last week on on the episode, uh, the very first episode, that he enjoyed making beats. So I decided to hit him up, and he delivered big time. So shout out to him. Um, so one one of the things with with media availability for fall camp is that 
through regular practices, we get to choose who, who we want to interview. We, yeah. We'll email Jordy Lindley, who, who is the uh, SID for, for Utah football. And, and by the way, she's great. I you know Shout out to her. She does a phenomenal job. If uh, she's tuning in, she does a really good job in handling everything. And so we just email her the night before your guys' practices. She'll be like, okay, this day is offense. Next time is defense. Yeah. And we don't do this every day. It's I think we did it three three times a week. So we did two practices and then scrimmage. Two yeah. practices and then scrimmage. But scrimmages, they chose who we get to talk to. It was Kyle Whittingham, and then it was Britton Covey, um, Devin Lloyd, Mika Tafua, and Nick Ford after the first scrimmage. Second one, we got an email saying the student athletes are going to be Clark Phillips and Solomon Enos. So first off, how does that go? Like I, I look at it as a compliment to you that out of that whole group over the last two scrimmages, you're the youngest player. I could call you a freshman, but you're really a super freshman Yeah, because of the whole COVID pandemic. You didn't lose any eligibility. But how does that work? Do they just say, hey, Clark, can you do media availability for the scrimmage? Yeah, I mean, they um, they kind of tell the guys, I think, around the time that you guys let Jordy know, right after they kind of tell us, hey, you know, you guys are doing media right after the practice or right after the scrimmage. It's like, hey, you know, these are the two guys that are on the list for media and you know, you kind of take your shower and you report to media. So, I, I enjoy it. I think it's I think it's a great thing. And like you said, it's a compliment to the character of the guys that get chosen. When you actually first arrived on campus, by mm-hmm. the way, who was your very first interview on campus? Very first, it was it was it was kind of like it was a lot of people. Yeah. Oh no! I already yeah, know the answer were, to the yeah, question. Yeah, I'm yeah. just I'm, you. You I was, were. I was setting you up for an answer. <laughs> <laughs> you messing with me? I'm messing with you as well. Now you were my first interview. It was it was up, it was up in the KSL studios. Yeah, it, you uh, you went on Sports Beat with Jeremiah Jensen. You went on KSL's Unrivaled with Alex Curry and Scott Mitchell, and you went on Crimson Corner with me. That's right. That's right. Man, that was that was a great thing. You guys introduced me to the world of being interviewed, right? Yeah. Well, not only that, you also had your family, which I think your parents are absolutely amazing. I got to interview them a little bit too uh, on that day, where you kind of just did the rounds around yeah, around yeah. KSL, and so. Um, and that was awesome. That was actually just a couple of months before COVID happened. Because it's crazy. Who would have thought, right? Yeah, because you uh, you arrived on campus for the spring semester, right? Yeah, I arrived to, January, to do spring ball. January 3rd or something, January 4th. Yeah, and so you ended up coming coming into the studios on a snowy or cold um, afternoon at KSL, and you were able to talk to us, which I, I thought was a great conversation. And, um, you know, so when, when you do start doing interviews, like in 2020, yeah. you're a freshman. Yeah. True freshman. Yeah. First of all, are you guys kind of coached up by Utah at all on how to deal with the media? Because I know we're not like New York yeah. or L.A. Yeah. where we're going to scold you and we're going to find all your deep, dark secrets. Yeah. But, I mean, we're not butterflies either. That's real. That's real. And uh, great question. Like, our, our, I feel like our, you know, football department, they do a great job of kind of getting guys ready. We go through kind of not a seminar, but more of like a uh, – uh, kind of like a teaching, I'd say, of how to deal with media, what to say, what to not say, how to keep the focus on the team, all that different stuff as, as you approach campus. And that's like part of freshman orientation. As soon as you, you know, are on campus, you have to go through about a week of just, you know, just bucket list or checklist type of things that you kind of have to go through and you have to kind of see. And media is definitely one of those things that they're like, hey, this is what you need to be wary of. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to say. This is what you can't say. And so I feel like that was super helpful for me. Um, even though, of course, my dad is somebody that watches a lot of, you know, sports and he understands the media and he understands their take and he understands the athlete take. And he's always kind of coached me up from the moment I started watching ball with him, how to deal with the media. Because that that actually, and I'm actually glad you ended up bringing that up, that actually kind of leads me to my next question. So I've interviewed kids that are, that are still in high school. Yeah. I've interviewed college athletes yeah. from freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, Super senior, you know, yeah. Britton Covey, eighth year senior. Um, <laughs> T-Boney, tenth yeah. year senior. Yeah, yeah T-Boney, T-Boney as well. if you're hearing this, yeah, I just shouted you out, bro. Um, and then also the pros. Not in, like, the NFL. I've, I've interviewed jazz players, Real yeah. Salt Lake players, things like that. You obviously notice a difference as they get older yeah. of, of how they handle interviews. Mm-hmm. High school, I'm going to be brutally honest with you, is brutal. Yeah. Because, for one, they're not coached up. Not at all. And and they don't really elaborate. Yeah. But when you came on campus and when you came to KSL and talked with all of us, I noticed the very first thing I, I came away from that because 
being in the media as long as you, as long as I have, you kind of realize who who's going to be a good interview and who's going to be yeah. eh, okay. Yeah. And freshmen were always like, eh, they're going to be okay. Yeah. You handled yourself and you did a better interview than I've interviewed some seniors. Yeah. I and senior that. quarterbacks. Wow. I'm not going to name names yeah. because that's just mean. Yeah. But I think you fans out there will have an idea of yeah. who I'm talking about. <laughs> but where did that come from to where you're able to handle yourself? Bright lights. You know, you're at a Power 5 school. You're now in the Pac-12. You're a freshman. You've got all of this hype on your back. How do you handle yourself so well in those tense moments? Great question, man. I, I it's an attribute. It's a, I feel like my dad, he always prepared me for those type of situations. I mean, from the moment I kind of my name became a household name in high school, and so my sophomore year when I had three pick sixes, it was like a blow up moment for me. The next day, I received a UCLA offer. From then on, the hype train and all of the media. Wait, was, it was hold crazy. on. You had three pick sixes in one game. In one game in high school. So. I, I actually thought you were just saying in a season. Three pick sixes. What? In one. Yeah, three pick sixes in one game, man. Oh, man. Two of them, it's the same route. The quarterback thought, hey, let me try this again. Then the next one was... And that was a sophomore year? Sophomore year. What? From then on, like, it was No wonder you're special. I appreciate that, that, man. That's insane. But anyway, keep going. So, so, your dad, yeah. And then, you know, my dad, um, he prepared me from that moment on. We all, you know, we prayed and we cried. Um, The day after, the next morning when Demetrius uh, Martin at uh, UCLA, who was a DB coach at the time, he called me and was like... Hey man, I'm gonna offer you a scholarship. This is my mom's, you know, alma mater. It was a dream school at, at the time and all that stuff. And so that was a big moment. Then directly after that, got a bunch of media calling and stuff. And so I kind of learned from that moment on. I had a couple of a week interviews and stuff where I was just kind of like saying stuff. And then you know, my dad kind of coached me, you know, with him being in you know the corporate environment of things. He's dealt with some media. He's dealt with some things and some things that have happened. And you know, so he's always kind of been really, really. I feel like. Um, button down when it comes to the media does a uh, faith play a factor in how you handle yourself in, in interviews man, man most definitely faith is definitely like just my ability and god giving me the ability to remain you know humble and keeping a sense of humility even when you know questions are asked i feel like that can either give a, a showing of myself that's more than i feel like is needed or, you know, a question is asked that I'm like, dang, why are you asking that? <laughs> you know, allows me to kind of, hey, sit down, take a breath. And I'm like, all right, you know what? Okay, let me ask this in the right way. Let me answer this in the right in the right way and without, you know, making a headline, you know. And so I feel like, nah, the great question. Faith is definitely a big part of it. And it's who I am. And, you know, me, I never do anything just for the hype or anything like that. But things happen. And I feel like the media has been a great way to shine a positive light on the team and myself as far as do, doing the interviews and all that stuff you don't have to say who said this especially if it was me yeah what <laughs> what is what is the most ridiculous question you've ever had in an interview just like the, the actual question you don't have to say who did it yeah. if, if it was me don't even answer the question just say next question man to be honest there there hasn't been too many ridiculous questions out um from from you guys so far I haven't been here that long, but there is some that become repetitive. Um, you know, like, why did I decommit from Ohio State? Because I've gotten that, what, 200 times. And we talked about it on the last and episode. We talked and, about now, it. and now you make me feel bad. <laughs> so. I was saying that to mess with you. Well, but, uh, that's okay. You know what? It's going to happen because I'm going to give it back. That's so. right. That's right. <laughs> no, no, but um, I feel like um, I, I get – that question probably the most and and it's understandable and so for me I have to kind of sit back and say hey I have to explain it every single time like it's the first time and it tests my faith as well tests my humility to say you know hey this person really doesn't know or this you know the broader audience needs to really understand and so it just reminds me of too and I feel like for me I take away from it like it reminds me of how blessed I am honestly because this that situation like we always talk about if you would have asked me if I would have been at Utah three years ago, I would have said, nah, like, yeah. what are you talking about? And so it reminds me of where we came from, how we got here, and sometimes re-explaining it, just like I tell my little brother, man, being able to explain to him the fine nuances and the different techniques about corners sometimes, and, you know, us both sharing experiences, guarding certain receivers, it reestablishes and reaffirms, you know, my learning. You know, what Coach Shaw teaches me, when I'm able to parlay that and give that to my little brother, I, you know, it kind of cements that learning for me and so I love it I'm sometimes even given the Ohio State uh rundown all that stuff sometimes I'm like you know I sit back afterwards and I'm like or I'll be walking back to the locker room after me I'm like 
dang, God really blessed me, you know, gave me an opportunity to go to a great university. Who would have thought I would have been here? Now, met some of the great, great men like Trevor. I met some <laughs> great men like Coach Shaw, Coach Whittingham, Coach Galley, all these guys. Coach Shaw's been dang near like another father to me. And so it's like I have to sit down and I count my blessings after moments like that in the media. Coach Shaw is the absolute man. I will say that right now. I, I knew him. Uh, back in my radio days, I, I started getting to know him because he was doing sideline reporting, and he was a lawyer. Yeah. Um, and that was back when I actually started getting to know him, and then I was so excited when he ended up becoming the you know cornerbacks coach, and just seeing where his career's gone from that. But we'll we'll talk about Coach Shaw another time. But uh, as far as the whole Buckeye story, yeah, I end up saying that jokingly, but also at you know the same time, I feel like in in that episode last week, the very first episode, when you ended up diving deep into it, yeah. I feel like that was probably the best answer because you could elaborate more. Yeah. Because when you're in one of those shorter interviews where you know it's only going to be five ten minutes. Yeah. You you can't you can't, you can't dive go, into you can't it. Can't go into it as much, and so you have to think about what's the best. How can I uh, put this the best way? You know, put this in the best way for people to understand it, but not be confused or not be left with a bunch of you know uh, loose ends or whatever or however you want to put that. But uh, I wanted to kind of give you the enough juice and people enough juice to kind of understand why we're here. And that's why I feel like the episode last week was just great because, and by the way, you guys can check out that story on kslsports.com. Um, I ended up doing a write-up on that just because I felt like it was that good that we needed to share it um, on our site as well. And you guys can find this podcast there wherever you get your podcasts. Final thing on this, and, we'll, and then we'll end up taking a break, and uh, I've got a couple more things on, on this last segment before we wrap it up for the day. You end up mentioning your dad yeah. being a big influence on how you handled interviews. What would he do? to prepare you for interviews man my dad he, like so before like one of my bigger interviews i forget where it was uh but i remember i did a photo shoot at ucla um so when you it, went and visited when i went and visited i think it was the first or the second time but it, no it was it wasn't even a photo shoot for ucla it was uh like an all cif type of, oh, okay. type of event gotcha gotcha um at that event there was some media out there and I remember beforehand being kind of nervous this was about my second or third like real interview and so i remember my dad beforehand kind of giving me, you know, mock interview scenarios. He kind of, hey, asked me questions that, you know, that I would be expecting and some that I wouldn't. He's like, you give me, you know, uh, just a random question that I'm like, what is that for? You know, so that it, I didn't get up there and I'd be, you know, kind of stumped or, you know, you ever see someone get up there and they get a random question and they're like, uh, I wasn't prepared to answer this. Yeah. And so my dad never wanted me to be caught in that light of not being prepared. And so we are prepared for the worst and hope for the best. That's honestly a great way. And I feel like, that a lot of players should benefit from that more because it's turned you into I mean I've even told you this in past times I feel like after after your your pro career is done I feel like you could be an analyst wow on TV on radio I appreciate that man either college or NFL level at the network level to where you're on ESPN CBS I would love that um any of that because I feel like that as you grow I mean you've already got three or four steps ahead mm-hmm. of juniors and seniors in college and who are starters who mm-hmm. do interviews all the time. And I feel like you already have steps ahead of them. And that just means as you keep progressing throughout your, your career, you're going to get more and more interviews, especially with the way that you're playing, Yeah, that it, it could turn into something like that to where you end up having a great career in the NFL, which we all think you will. Yeah. That, you know, when, when that's done, rather than, going into of what of what yeah. your actual degree is in yeah which, yeah which by the way what is your major business management business management so going into something you know starting up a business or running a business you could even if it's a side gig where you could do be be an analyst and yeah. breaking down plays or calling games man i'm glad that you NFL. mentioned that you say uh you know three you're, you're ahead of the game and stuff it just makes me think about you know my dad always you know he was big on making me and my brother read when we were young we hated it now I love it. I, I read a lot of books, and I haven't actually read one since fall camp started, but mm-hmm. I read. I try to read books, and so one of the books that I read, me and my dad always talk about it now. We talk about the 10,000-hour rule. Um, that's a 10,000-hour rep rule as well, 10,000 reps, and anything that you reach that 10,000 rule, you know, you basically have accomplished mastery. And so that's one thing that my dad, you know, every single summer, every spring in high school, he always told me, you know, hey, we need to get in the lab. We need to get those reps. And so we always, you know, would try to go just find receivers, just go find receivers at Dorsey High School, at different high schools. You play receiver? Just line it up. Let's go. Let's go. I need 15 reps. You know, let's see who wins or whatever. And so just getting those reps 
you know, accumulatively just kind of adds up. And so I think of that, you know, even when you talk about interviews, just starting to just thankful for in high school that I, my process went the way that it did. Cause I, I racked up a lot of reps, you know, I won't say it's 10,000 hours or 10,000 reps, but a lot of reps. And so I feel like it prepared me, you know, for now. And then even for the future, like you said, hopefully maybe I can become an analyst after playing careers over. Well, I feel like by then maybe it'll be pretty close to maybe 5,000 or something. I, I'm hoping just doing this show, you'll have 10,000 hours That's under right. your belt right. just from doing this right. over, over the coming years. Cause I don't plan on this being just a one year thing Not at all. Me this either. is, this is going to be a multi-year uh, thing I'm hopeful for with Clark and with Same faith here. family and football. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get to know Clark a little bit more. I've got some more of those quick fire questions, and uh, I want to talk a little bit more in depth about him coming out of high school and having all those offers. Yeah, uh, coming out coming out of high school before he uh, chose the Buckeyes. We're not going to talk about why you left the Buckeyes. (laughs) All right, I'm going to point that out right now. But we're going to talk about the whole recruiting process for Clark Phillips when we come back here on Faith, Family, and Football. Welcome back in Faith Family and Football with Clark Phillips. It's powered by KSLSports.com. I'm I'm the co-host Trevor Allen, along with Utah cornerback Clark Phillips the third. Um, final segment here. Um, I, I kind of wanted to so, something I'm going to do periodically throughout this show is I want to give our our audience an idea of who you are off the field. Yeah, because we know who you are on the field, and that's a pretty dang good football player. But who's Clark Phillips off the field? So we uh, found out you've never seen The Office, which is just an absolute travesty. <laughs> um, we also found out that you're big into ice cream when you're not in season. Yeah. Cookies and cream. Cookies and cream. Um, you're a big Taken fan, which, by the way, I told my wife that, and she, she loves you even more now. I love it. Um, some other things I've noticed, just as I'm getting to know you even more, I mean, I feel like I had a good idea of who you are, but you always learn more about people, which is great, which is why I love the whole partnership. Favorite superhero? Superman. Superman? Easy. Is there a reason why? He's got my name. Clark Kent. Oh, there you go. Clark Kent. Nah, that's, what I, that's what I tell the ladies. Nah, I'm messing with there you. you. Go. So I tell them, <laughs> like, Clark, they're like, they're like why, why Clark? I'm like, yeah, well, my dad, Um, I'm the third, actually. You already mm-hmm. know this, but yeah. my dad and my grandpa, and then, of course, Superman. I, I never got to ask my grandpa why, you know, why, why he was named Clark, but I just assume it was because of Superman. So I like to call myself Superman on the field. I have no idea why my name's Trevor. My <laughs> my mom and dad just said that when I was born that they just said that my name's Trevor. So that was what it was. I'm like, okay, hey, Trevor's a good name, man. Hey, you know, it's it's very uh, generic, but uh, it's it's totally <laughs> fine. I'm 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 cool with it. I think I might already know the answer to this because I was just blown away when you were talking about it earlier. Your favorite memory in high school? Favorite memory in high it school? It could be on the field or off. Man, I'd say just playing with my brother. Yeah? Playing my brother. That's got to be up there. How many years did you guys play together? Two. Two. And you, and you guys were opposite corners? Uh, One of them, we were opposite corners my last year. We were opposite corners. And he rotated the year before, I believe. And he might have been primarily one of the outside corners, but we had a senior in. But um, playing my brother, man, and just kind of being on campus with my brother and being able to experience that with him was probably now, now that I look back. And it's crazy because when you ask that, I kind of I paused and I thought about it because – if you would have asked me my favorite memory was as when I was a senior in high school, what that was, it would probably have been completely different than now because I've, I've had time to reflect on high school and look back. And I realize, you know, as you get older, you realize what's the most important things. And, you know, it stands, you know, the truth is family. And 
that's my dad. He always kind of pressed that upon us, and you know how important family is. And mm-hmm. now I'm starting to realize show. it. And yeah, man. And now I'm starting to realize it, and it's become more and more apparent to me that dang, those moments, some of those moments of me and my brother, you know, going to the ice cream trucks or the burrito stands after school or in between classes or in between, you know, uh, at lunch break or, you know, when I had my car my senior year and we would, you know, at lunch, I'd see this dude walking around with someone. I'm like, hey, man, let's go grab a bite. Let's go to Cane's. Let's go to Chick-fil-A. Let's go. And just all of that different stuff. I realized that those, you know, memories are memories that you can't get back and that you, you know, you can't even relive. And so those memories, man, I smile just thinking about it because I just, I realized, especially being away from home, being in Utah, my brother's in California, I'm like, dang, I call this dude sometimes, man. I'm like, dude, I just want to hear your voice, you know, because it's different, man, when you grow up with a brother that's only 14 months apart from you. We'll end up talking to Bryce uh, on this show eventually. We're going to talk to all of Clark's family. I'm, I'm sure we're even going to get your mom on, which I don't that think she's going to like. But Yeah, <laughs> you but, know my mom. But she we all know she would do it for you, though. That's right. She would. Um, she said that. When you guys played together, opposite sides yeah. uh, at corner, um, were you guys like the Legion of Boom? Was it like could any quarterback get any completion down the field? It with was you locked guys? down. I'll tell you that from the get go, it was locked down, man. And it was just special to look over on that side. And so we would study film together and stuff, or we would, you know, study tendencies. And I would tell them like, "Hey, I think they're about to try this." Or even like at halftime, like I would, you know, recognize that they're not going to throw my way and stuff. And you know, me being a bigger time, big time recruit, I understood that. Hey, now you're going to have opportunities, Bryce, to eat, man, because they're going to throw the ball. This is where you make your money. And so there were some games where we both wouldn't really get action. They would be throwing in the seams. They'd be throwing, mm-hmm. you know, at the inside defenders because it was like, we don't really want to try those Phillips guys. Those guys, you know, they kind of take the ball. My brother, he was a longer corner. He was taller than me in high school as well, about an inch taller. Now he's about two or three inches taller than me. And so he was, no one really knew what he could do until he started taking the ball as well. Calabas, he had an interception and he was a hitter. And so he had, you know, similar personality as me, but less talkative on the field this dude just kind of was like a silent killer and that's why i love him this dude like i would look over and he would just look like he's just you know kind of just walking around kind of chilling and stuff <laughs> but little did you know man that dude would knock your head off that dude would knock your head off and then smile after and try to pick you up and make sure that you're okay i'm like it's, it's the funniest thing though and i feel like it, it it attributes to the fact that he's a middle child and that's kind of like his personality and yeah. all that stuff but he has a different way of going about it and i just love him for who he is man your uh, favorite high school football game, it could be a performance, it could be the outcome of a game. What was your favorite game in high school? Three pick sixes. Yeah? I Se- had a feeling that was going to be it because that's yeah. freaking impressive. Three pick sixes, uh, Colony High School, man. Did you guys win 21 nothing? No. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. That would have been You're crazy. the reason why you guys won on defense? <laughs> Didn't have to play any offense, all defense, but I scored touchdowns. <laughs> Nah, but uh, nah. So that game, and then the second one was my brother got a pick six or a pick um, in the end zone. Calabasas. That game was super personal to us because the year before they had gotten us or whatever. Um, the next year they, they, of course, didn't really want to try me as much. They tried me. I had a pick. Um, they tried my brother in like the fourth quarter. Threw up a fade ball. Dude, Moss is the guy. Won't say wow. who that name was, but he's a big time guy. Um, you 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 could tell me off the air. Yeah, I'll tell you off the air. But grabbed it, man, and. That moment, I ran from the other side of the field. I think I was at like, I was at corner, but I was um covering someone, and I was like on the other side of the field, and I ran over there, man, so fast. When it celebrated with him, and then afterwards, I just remember that moment just being so surreal. I'm like, cause you know, there's no joy like just seeing your little brother or family, uh, just happy and in the moment. And I just see it reminded me of myself when I was in his shoes when I got my first pick. You know, I was just like on a varsity in a varsity game. It was like a surreal moment. You're like, dang, more to come. You just kind of think you get that antsy feeling. Even like when I got my first pick last year, it was just a bummer that that was the last game of the season because I had that feeling like, oh, yeah, I hope they throw it again. I hope they throw it again. Every play I'm thinking, if they throw it again, man, I'm taking this thing crib again. And so I feel like um, just that was super big. But, man, back to favorite favorite high school experience or favorite game experience definitely three pick sixes man like that moment it just felt like a dream and i tell people all the time and i haven't even talked about it in a while but when people did ask like how'd you get three pick sixes like the first one was like all right like i'm having a good game like and we thought we were gonna pull away they ended up scoring um then they came back to it before halftime got another one same sideline basically the same play like it was a seam i was in cover three and, you know, jumped off of my receiver when it took the seam because that's the, that's the beater in cover three of the seams. Mm-hmm. And so they just, the quarterback kept on darting it in there. Um, and then the third one happened. 
And then by this time, I'm like, am I going to have another pick six? And then, like, it just, it was like, it was just happening. I felt like I was watching myself on TV. I wanted to wake up from a dream. And, like, I watch those videos sometimes, man, and I tear up because I just remember, like, afterwards, you know, talking to my dad, talking to my family. Oh, my dad, he had got in late. He had got in late. No one else was there. My dad and my auntie was there. Mm-hmm. My auntie Mary. And then my dad got in late from, like, a flight or something. This was around the time when he was working a job and which he had to travel a lot. And so he came, like, in at halftime. Everyone was kind of telling him, like, hey, this is what's happening. I think Eric Sodenheimer had posted something, L.A. Times writer, yeah. had posted something like, you know, Clark already has two pick sixes. You Wait, know, you end up having two in the first half? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's I insane. think it was the first half. And so then it was like, yeah. And so he, of course, saw that as soon as he got off the plane. And then by the time he got there, it was like he saw it, I think, the last one. And so he was just like, and after the game, I couldn't, I don't even think I could explain it. I was just like speechless, like especially as a sophomore. Yeah, as a sophomore, that's what drives me nuts. My coaches, of course, were like, and then on, the colony's about an hour away from La Habra, so on the way back, I just remember sitting there, just praying and being like, "Thank Jesus, man! This is this is gonna be the moment that you know marks history." And then the next morning, UCLA called. I just got to ask, why the hell did that quarterback throw your way on that? Like after after like two pick sixes, I'm not even looking your way. I don't know, man. But shout out to that guy. He the got wideout me where could I be am. wide open, and I still wouldn't throw it. That like way. I just don't understand it to this day. Like what made him? I mean, only thing I could think of is that he was hypnotized or something. Something's got. Right? I mean. Something, I mean he was, was it he in was, his plan to just give me three pick sixes? Trying like, to get some, <laughs> some some sort of redemption. It got to yeah, be, like, but it didn't work. Maybe he just felt like he was going to get that touchdown back or something. No. I'll get him this time. I'll get him this time. Okay, two down. Okay, I'll try it one more time. And then, nope, I'm done. Three. I think it was four <laughs> balls thrown that way total, and three of them were pick sixes. Seriously? My way, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. even more impressive. Yeah. Um, your favorite memory. And I think I have an idea of what this is going to be. Your favorite memory at Utah so far. Obviously, there's many more games to to come. But man, having it, having the game that I did. I, sorry, I cut you off. I just no, got so no, excited. I, I have a feeling it's the Washington State yep, game. Yep, having the game that I did on my birthday, Washington yes. State, and the first game that my family was able to come to. Yeah, man. And yeah, because that was that was the regular season finale. There wasn't any fans allowed, but in that last game, they, they said we're going to let families. And so that was just special for me, man, because I didn't think my family was going to be able to come all week until the end when they allowed us to, you know, uh, add our family to tickets. And so when I found out they were going to be able to come, I just I got that, you know, that chill feeling like I got to do something special. And in that moment, I think it was the first moment, the first big moment in that game was when I had a fumble recovery. Mm -hmm. And then I always tell my dad, my dad said that he saw something different. You know, he's watched me play. He's coached me um, pretty much all the way through except for high school. Mm -hmm. And so. He kind of understands the way that I play and the way that I move, and he can understand. He he noticed. He knows. He knows exactly when something special is going to happen and something. He knows exactly the way I move, how I'm feeling. Um, he can tell my mood if I'm pissed off or if I'm frustrated, if I'm sad, if I'm just not focused. And so he he knew exactly. He was just like he was like he's like he told me after the game, and I told him he was like, "How did it feel?" He's like, "Did you feel something different after the fumble recovery?" And I was like, "How'd you know?" I'm thinking like. <laughs> Because they had a, they, my dad and my mom got a hotel right after, and so we went and ate. We went back to the hotel, and he he already knew. And so the fumble recovery, like literally, I told him I was like, Dad, it, I had this adrenaline like in my knees. Like, I don't know if a lot of people can you know attest to this, but after you get into a fight or something crazy happens, you know, you kind of get an adrenaline rush, adrenaline rush where you like you don't feel anything. Mm-hmm. Like my knees felt kind of shaky. I went back to the sideline, and I was kind of shaking, like. Something's good about that. That and also you you could run as fast uh, as you know without getting tired. Yeah, without getting tired. Without getting tired. And so that's how I felt after I got that fumble recovery. Um, then they threw the ball my way, and then I had like a PBU, I believe. No, I didn't have a PBU. I had the pick six happened first, and then they threw my way two more times. I had a PBU, and then I had a a nice hit. Had no idea what he was doing either. Sounds like yeah, man. And so I uh, that moment was just so big, and I was thinking about it after me and Coach Shaw. We hugged after after the game, and. I teared up. I'm like, and I know he was tearing up as well. It was just a big moment for us because it was like the whole season went good, but it was just like early on we struggled, and it felt like that had it. That at, it was no better way to close out yeah. the season. You know, it was five games, and that was the last game, man. I keep on saying it, but my family wasn't able to go to four games, and that last game it was just like it needed to happen that way. On my birthday, you know, 
And so I was like, couldn't have asked for a better birthday couldn't present. Have, that's couldn't for have sure. asked for a better birthday. So Jane Delora, shout out to you for uh, Facts, giving Clark a, a nice. And you know uh, me; I like present. to pride myself on taking the ball. Yeah. Um, whether I'm in the nickel, whether I'm at safety, or whether I'm at corner, wherever I like to take the ball. I like to, that's what I like to do. I like to, you know, you know the story. I got three pick sixes. I just, we just talked yeah. about it. And so I like to really take the ball. Like that's how I kind of play. I take risks every now and again. And, most of the time it's good. Sometimes it doesn't go well. But I feel like in this particular situation, shoot, man, we, we made it happen on my birthday. So walk us through that because we haven't really – I mean, I I know that after the game we asked you about it. Mm-hmm. But obviously you were in a very short media session. Yep. You, got, you got some time here. I mean, I know we're going almost an hour on this show again, which is not usually ideal for a podcast. But this is good stuff. It's good you, content. If, if everyone likes this stuff – you're obviously going to keep listening, and I feel like it's good. Otherwise, I would stop it right now. That's right. Um, so walk us through it. So you end up jumping a route. Yeah. But what were you, like, seeing, you know, in that pre-snap read? Yeah. Were you, were you looking at Jaden's eyes? Were you yeah. looking at the wide receiver? Like, kind of walk us through. And then, like, the emotions as soon as you end up seeing Jaden throw the ball. Yeah. As you end up going for that route, as soon as you catch it, just walk me through the whole emotion, everything from that play starting from from pre-snap. And it was a lot. Just that one play felt like a movie. I'll tell you that. That was about 30 it minutes. Was, it felt yeah. like about an hour, that whole play, just because of the way that things happened. And then looking back at it, it just felt so long. And it was a special moment because it's just it was film study. It was film study. It really was. And understanding the situation, uh, they had to get the ball down the field really, really fast. Mm-hmm. And they were also trying to get out of bounds. It was a third and long situation. Um they needed long yardage and they needed to get out of bounds. And so they went five wide or four wide and one running back in the backfield. The back the running back was, I believe, to my side. Um, the slot receiver, number one, I want to say his last name. I forget his last name. Is but it, it, is it uh, Harris? Harris. Trevor Harris. And he's really fast and he was a target. He was mm-hmm. a target for a lot of the game. Uh, him along with the the other guy that's at Mississippi State now, I believe. Oh, um, um, I, I know you're talking about, yeah. but yeah. But um, so yeah, so he was a target, and so I knew that they were trying to get out of bounds. It was like third and long, and so I'm like, it wouldn't be in their best interest to go four verticals. It's like we're playing deep, and so we were playing like a cover four scenario. Um, that means it's basically we're basically covering. It's basically man coverage when guys go past go down the field. It's like it's called you know cover two. It's basically cover two, but it's cover four as soon as they go vertical. So it's a way that we can cover four verts because four verts is a beater for a lot of coverages. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that they would be trying to basically attack the underneath because underneath droppers are not taught to drop that far. And I knew that the route that they would be trying to run is that out from the slot to get to get out, out of bounds. bounds. Yeah. And so I'm like, this is where I'm going to take a chance. And I told myself before to play, this is what I think it is because I had saw it a lot of times on film, but only in third and long situations. Mm-hmm. And me and Coach Shaw even talked about that route and a couple other concepts as well that he was like, he basically gave me the license to take a chance. And so when I saw the formation, I saw it down in distance. I kind of backed up, and I even backed up a, co- a couple yards more than the rest of us, which we all kind of tried to play, the, tried to play the sticks, yeah, just to make De La Hara press think, press man coverage, yeah, yeah bas- just to basically make him think that hey, this might be open. So I backed up a couple of extra yards, ready to break, you know, ready to drive this route. And so when I backed up, I saw him kind of peek at number two, number one, the number two receiver, which was the slot receiver. Mm-hmm. And um, as soon as he did, he kind of backed up and he tried to give me a little look off and look off to the other side. And I knew exactly where he was coming. I can tell by Travail uh, Harris's route. He rounded. He did a one stick break about 17 to 20 yards. And I just broke. I left my my receiver ran a vertical and I left him, took my chance. And as soon as he threw it, I just jumped it and shoot, man, the rest is history. And then I was running side by side with Nephi Suell and Devin Lloyd came and hawked me like I ran a four nine forty. It's like, what the hell, bro? <laughs> and so, uh. Then, you know, we were all celebrating in the end zone. And then I look back and I'm like, I just caught a pick six on my birthday. And, you know. And then Ty Jordan, man, I got to mention this. He yeah. he ran off to the side and he was like, man, you looking like my son out there. You looking at my son. You looking like my son out there, man. And I smiled as oh, they thinking about it, man, because he just he ran up to me. And this dude, just a genuine lover, man. And that moment was so big to me. Even looking back at the video, I'm like, that dude, really, he wanted to see everyone win. He really did. Yeah. He really wanted to see everyone win, and he was even probably happier than I was in that moment. You know, he had a couple of touchdowns, I believe, at that time. Yeah, he, and, he ended up going off in yeah, that second half. he went off, and so he was like, he was like, you look like me out there. You look like my son out there. And yeah, so I, I just think he laughed. had two or three touchdowns, I think. Yeah, man, video. first dude to come and give me a hug on the sideline, and I was like, man, that moment was so big, and 
that was the biggest moment I feel like for me that was a, probably the most exciting for me was that one of the last things Ty Jordan said to you before you guys broke for the for yeah. the year yep yep before we um basically we're gonna have a little break we went back home for uh, the holiday season and that was one of the last time that we spoke in person yeah we'll uh we'll uh, talk about the you know all of that leading up to it uh you know probably next week I think because that'll be a week out from your guys's opener yeah and uh, we definitely need to talk about Ty before you guys, you know, Beautiful suit up, suit up for, for Weber State. Um, just a couple of things on, on that pick six. I, I hate to, to deviate from Ty Jordan. When uh, Harris breaks over towards that sideline, were you reading him or were you reading Jaden's eyes? I, I saw him. I saw Harris with my peripheral. I was only looking at Harris pre-snap to see where he was aligned because I knew when he was tied into the formation – he was trying to basically they only ran this to our hash and like the out route to our hash and so i knew that you know the closer he was to the to the to the tackle um to his side the more space that he was trying to save to run that out mm-hmm. and because of the situation it was obvious i was like yep and so i i steered away from looking at harris because i didn't want dela hard to know and so i just kind of looked at dela hard and i played it like i was going to be playing lax cover three or, or cover four and just kind of push the guy out of bounds and let him go and just kind of mm-hmm. keep it moving and so Little did he know I had playing all, chess with the quarterback. Yeah, Love it. So we kind of made our contact, and then from then on, you know, I kind of backed out of there as soon as he snapped the ball to make him feel like, oh yeah, this is a comfortable throw. That's a safe throw for yeah. most guys. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, I decided to switch the plans up, and he was chasing me from then on to try to tackle me before I scored. So when he ended up throwing the ball, and you ended up seeing it being thrown, what was going through your head? That ball was in the air. It felt like it took so long. You're like, just get over here. Come yeah, on. Yeah, it felt like it took so long because I saw him throw it, and then immediately he kind of looked, and he started taking that angle. And he was like, and he kind of had that look. His arm was still falling through, and he kind of saw, like, like, oh, crap. He was like, this guy got <laughs> I shouldn't got have thrown me. that. And I kind of, we, we made eye contact for a brief second just because I was in his line of vision, his line of sight when he threw it. And from then on, I was like, oh, yeah, this is mine. This is right to me, right to me. And then I kind of jumped up. My dad always says that I jump for no reason when I get excited. That one, you probably need to jump a little bit. I've, yeah. I've actually gone back and watched it. <laughs> yeah, a that of times. one. And then it was a PBU that I got that I could have had another pick on. It was a yeah. dig route um, that I jumped for as well. And I didn't realize that. But I guess um, it's probably because I had that adrenaline going and mm-hmm. I couldn't feel my legs. I was jumping around. And so yeah. when he threw it, man, I just was like, there's no way he's still throwing this ball. I'm, I'm really down and he threw it anyway. And so last i just remember seeing so then it. you ended up catching it yeah and you you see just grass and then and then that yeah. that that red end zone what was i think going i took on? a peek before i even caught it as the ball was approaching uh-huh. i kind of peeked to see you know who if there was I, anybody yeah because who, the linemen were looking at me the linemen all the big guys were looking at me like oh, i know this look i didn't and so as i caught it i kind of saw them all start kind of wobbling towards the sideline trying to take that high angle they're yeah. almost going to the end zone i'm like oh man yeah. there's no way i can't get tackled by you, one of these you big also guys. had very very little room to work with because you were right along the right sideline. on the sideline i was i mean i was tony toe tapping the sideline yeah. and i was just kind of like you know really straddling the sideline and my nearest defender and luckily i had nephi there to knock a couple guys out he was kind of being my little my my my, my bodyguard, yeah, he was kinda, out. yeah, and then I, I had to at some point kind of try to leave him a little bit because you know I saw De La Hart and I saw the fullback. No, it might have been Max Max uh, the running back Borgie, yeah, Borgie, yeah. He was he was taking that angle, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have to dip on him on my way in, and so I kind of stick him, yeah, and so I kind of played it cool, I acted like I was gonna try to make a move, and I just kind of ran and shoot, I made it barely right when they were you know taking the angle. I was at the pylon, and so then uh, like next thing I know, I was in the air and. Uh, Devin Lloyd and Mika the Fool were picking me up. I was like, "Oh yeah, let's go, man! We so, scored." So when when you end up going into games, you're like, "Okay, if I end up getting a pick six, I'm going to do this touchdown celebration." Or do you just yeah. kind of just let it happen? I just kind of let it happen. Whatever flows, flows. There's games where I've thought about it, and those are the games that you don't get picks. Yeah. <laughs> when you try to plan too much, I feel like sometimes it don't happen. But man, whether I had a celebration or not, my team. They literally made it to where I didn't I didn't have yeah. to celebrate because I had some things in mind as I was approaching the end zone. But next thing I know, my feet were ten feet up in the air. I'm a little guy, man. I'm short. <laughs> next thing I know, I was on uh, I was on uh, Devin Lloyd and Mika Tafua's shoulders, and those dudes were celebrating with me. And I was just you know kind of throwing my hand in the air like, yeah, let's go. I just scored, I think, you know. And so I didn't really have much time to celebrate. But that's a good problem to have, right? You yeah, know, teammates celebrating with you. So when when you ended up crossing the pylon, yeah. you go into the end zone. They they end up calling touchdown. There yeah. wasn't any flags thrown. What was going through your mind then? Or you didn't really have any time to think like, because the guys I, came and like. My, I just remember you. my eyes being so big, and I remember looking at someone. 
That wasn't you on the sideline, but it was someone standing. No, it wasn't me. I, was, yeah, I wasn't okay. allowed down on the field. I but had it to was be someone the standing right there, and the cameraman had a big smile on his face. I'm and, pretty sure it was Pac-12 <laughs> Network. Yeah, was, the cameraman had a big smile on his face, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm just running in the end zone. I just remember thinking, like, I just scored my first pick six. My first pick was a pick six in college football, and I'm thinking, like, oh, yeah, from from here on, it's, 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 it's about to be different. I was like, oh, yeah, we're taking over now. And then, you know, of course, when I got to style, I'm like, dang, this is the last game. You know, like, dang, I want to play some more. And so now we're, we're kind of – we've been able to prolong that injury and, and, and add energy, and now it's it's almost time again. When did you guys uh, – did you guys know going into that game – well, yeah, they, they ended up announcing it, but how how far out from that game did you guys know you guys were not going to play in a bowl game? Um. Well, we because, had, because, because you guys had to beat Washington State in order to get to the bowl game. Yeah, we had a clue before the game, um, but it was really up to the leadership of the team, you know, to decide that the players within and then of leadership, and then of course the coaches. We we all kind of had that conversation, that talk, and I feel like it was um, in our best interest to kind of get ready for next season. By the way, uh, they will be voting. They already voted on on the leadership council and on um, captains. They haven't been. Announced as of when we are we are taping this, um, but I I'm just gonna put a bold prediction out here. I think you're gonna be voted to the leadership council. Man, I pray and I hope, but I will say and like I told uh, my little brother, he always asked me little things. I told my dad, I said, man, I said if I'm not man, if we've got um, 13 great leaders or 12 great leaders, man, we've got a great team, and I know we've got a great team, so. I won't lose any sleep over it because I know you know the leadership that's put in place is going to be for our best interest. Well, for you being such a young guy, you're already a leader as it is, and I I can I can see that. And we haven't even kicked off that's right this uh, 2021 season, which will be happening shortly. That's right. I can't wait, man. We're so close. So two shows down. You feeling good? Two shows down and many more to go. Right. I'm feeling great. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we'll we'll definitely talk to you next week as we get oh so closer to the even opener. closer to the opener. Appreciate you, Trev. All right, there you go. That is Clark Phillips here on Faith, Family, and Football. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter. He is at ClarkPhillips21 on Twitter and Instagram. He's ClarkPhillips the third. Yep, let's do it. So there you go. Until next time, we'll talk to you guys next week here on Faith, Family, and Football, powered by kslsports.com.